remember one time I was at a, I was in the same grocery store, you know, and there was a guy that, an older gentleman, you know, that was helping bag the groceries, you know, and he's always been just a jolly, fun, enjoyable guy to talk with, you know. And I had a $5 bill, and I just wanted to give it to him just to say, you know, thanks for being such a, a pleasant human being. There's a lot of miserable people out there, you know. And, uh, and, you know, it was so frustrating because I tried to give it to him. He would not take it. He said, nope, nope, I don't deserve this. He goes, no, you work hard for your money and all this. I go, I go sir, I want to just bless you. I want to just say thank you. He said, nope, 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 you take your money. Put it right back in my hands. And... Uh, and it, it kind of hurt my heart in a way because I wanted, to, I wanted to bless him and just say thank you. But he couldn't receive. He had a hard time receiving. There's a lot of people like that. Amen? But I'll tell you what, if God's going to give me something, I want it. <laughs> I want it, praise the Lord. And so the Lord does not want us to have any cares, worries, anxieties in our life about anything. Amen? Now go to First Peter chapter 5 once again. And... Uh, First Peter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Amen. Notice there's a due time that God will, will lift you up. Amen. This, that, that scripture sort of reminds me of Galatians 6. It says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season... We shall weep, reap if we what? Faint not. Okay? So there's going to be a temptation to faint, or we say faint, to quit. He says, let us not be weary in well-doing. Amen? Gloria Copeland made a statement years ago, and she said this. She said, it's the act of continuing that creates freedom in your lives. It's the act of continuing it's one thing to start something. It's another thing to continue to do it. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, a lot of people give up before their due season. A lot of Christians give up before their due season. They get weary in coming to church. They get weary in sowing seed. They get weary in loving people. Well, the Bible says in due season... We will reap if we don't faint. God does not want us to become weary and well-doing. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, we just made this, I just talked about this travel. We just went down to D.C. for this meeting. You know, that cost money to go there. It did. It cost money to go there. Hundreds to go there. It cost time and effort, finances to go there. But you know what? I value the anointing of God, and there's no price tag you can put on that. Amen? Do you value things? It's important that we value the things of God. That's the most important thing, right? And he says right here, Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. And we said that, you know, verse 6 is connected to verse 7, you know, how do you humble yourself? Well, one of the ways that you humble yourself is you cast all your care upon Him, on the Lord. Why? Because He careth for you. Now, the word careth for you in the, in the actual Greek says it's because He loves you. I looked it up. I literally looked it up. I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. But i got books that are. <laughs> and I can read. <laughs> Amen. He says, cast, God says this, He says, cast every single care upon me because I love you. Because I love you. Praise God. That's why He wants us to cast. And not only that, He's able to do something about the situation that you fret about, that you worry about. That's the beautiful thing about God. See, this is not just a religious practice like, oh, I cast my cares upon you and then nothing changes. What good would that be? I can cast my cares on the Lord because He is able to turn around and fix that situation that I'm dealing with. And I can stand here and tell you time and time and time again, well, God has fixed things where I was concerned and worried about it, but I gave it to Him and then He came through. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you all paying attention this morning? 
God wants us to live carefree. Now it goes on to say there, as we said in verse 8, verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Hallelujah. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Praise God. Now, if you take verse 8 out of its setting, it will seem as though that it gives the picture, it kind of paints the, a wrong picture, that the devil's just kind of lurking around the corner. He's just going to pounce on you at any minute. You never know when it's going to happen. The devil's looking to pounce on you, you know. But actually, he can't do that. He cannot pounce on anybody. He has to have an open door. And I submit this to you in context of this scripture here, rightly dividing the word of truth, that the, the only way Satan can devour me and you and any of us with fear and with worry is those that do not cast their cares upon the Lord. Praise God. You see, every day we get up, we make a choice. And we can make a choice every day. I refuse to worry before anything happens. Make a choice. I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to worry about anything. My cares are in the hand of the Lord. The care of my children, the care of my future, the care of my job or lack thereof. I cast the care of it upon you, Father, because you care for me. Praise God. When you do that, the enemy, he'll, he'll try. Like Jesus, remember Jesus said this regarding uh, uh, himself about the devil. He says, the prince of this world cometh but he finds nothing in me. In other words, there is no doorway. There is no avenue. The devil wanted to get to Jesus. But he said, the prince of this world cometh, but he finds no place in me. We can get to the same place because the enemy always looks for a crack in the door to get into our lives. And I'll tell you, this is the primary way, folks, listen, that he tries to get involved in our lives is through worry, through fear, and worrying about your future. Amen. What's going to happen? What's going to happen here? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to be blessed. Because the Lord, my Father, loves me. He is going to take care of me. And He will take care of you. Amen. So can the devil just pounce on anybody? No. Say this after me. Say, I refuse, I refuse. to be afraid. Be afraid. I refuse. To yield to fear. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, I made mention of this last week. I said, and I think this helps, it helped me at least, to realize that just because you feel fear doesn't mean that you've yielded to it. Okay? Just because, on the same token, just because you have a bad thought doesn't mean that's your thought. Because the devil will say, oh, you're thinking about some awful evil thing. You know, you think you're a real good Christian. Why are you thinking on that? Well, if the devil gave you that thought, it didn't originate with you. It came from him. True. And he's under your feet. Amen. And so I've learned enough to realize that, you know, if I get a bad thought, that's not my thought. Because I don't think those kind of thoughts. So when a bad thought comes my way, a negative thought comes about me or, or someone else, I say, ha, ha, ha. That's not my thought. Amen. Well, a worried, anxious, fear-filled thought is a satanic thought, and you can just laugh at it and say, no, 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 you don't. No, you don't. Amen. Now, I believe that uh, we don't have the time to turn to this, but the, a lot of times the apostles, for example, Paul, Peter, and others, the uh, New Testament, they would make a statement that they were actually referring to an Old Testament Scripture. They would refer to the Old Testament Scripture. This happened many, many times. As it is written, and they would rattle off a scripture that was in the Old Testament. Well, Psalm 55, 22 says this, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He will sustain thee, and He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Cast thy what? Burden. Cast thy burden. Cast thy care upon the Lord. And notice it says, He's going to sustain you. Praise God. Let's go real quickly now to Mark chapter 4. And we'll pick up here today. Mark chapter 4. What we, uh, what we call the parable of the sower. And by the way, this is the, 
we'll see here in a second here, this is the most important parable that exists of all the parables that Jesus spoke. A parable is you lay down an analogy next to something. So you compare, so you can understand. The kingdom of God is likened unto a vineyard. Okay, that's a parable. All right? And so, Jesus said in Mark chapter 4 and verse 13, He says, He said unto them, Know you not this parable? And how then will you not understand all parables? Notice in verse 13, if you understand, Jesus said here, if you understand this parable, the parable of the sower, this, is be, this will be the key to understanding all the mysteries of God. Does that make sense? Does it? Okay. So if we understand the parable of the sower, we can understand how the whole kingdom of God works. Now verse 14 says, The sower soweth the word. Okay? And these, verse 15, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Okay, so the first ground here, now the word is the seed, okay? The ground is the human heart, the spirit. You see what I'm saying? And he says, these are they by the way, say, say wayside. Okay, there's different, four different grounds that Jesus mentions here. And I'm not, I can teach a whole series on that, but I want to just touch on something here this morning. These are they by the wayside where the word or the word of God is sown, who when they have heard, Satan cometh, notice this, immediately to take away the word that was sown in their hearts. Have you noticed that when you hear the word of God, he tries to come and take the word out? Now again, this kind of gives the impression in Matthew's gospel, or in Mark, I'm sorry, Mark's gospel, it kind of gives the impression that, why even hear the word if he's going to come and steal the word, right? But Matthew says it like this. He said, these are they sown along wayside where the word is sown, who when they have heard the word of God and they don't understand it, Satan comes and takes the word away. So he can't just grab the word and take it out of your heart. But if you hear something and you don't understand it, then the, the word hasn't even taken root in your heart. That's wayside ground right there. Okay? And that's why it's so important. And I try to do my best with heaven's help that when I share God's word with people, one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting, to share it in a way that you can grasp it, understand it, comprehend it, and say, I understand that. I'm so thankful that the Lord said, you know, he said, he said many times, the kingdom of God is like a vineyard. The kingdom of God is like a seed. I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't say, the kingdom of God is like a trigonometry equation. Because <laughs> half of us wouldn't get it. Now there's some people who are really good at math. <laughs> That's not my anointing, I can tell you that. Okay. But only, only a certain sect, sect of people could get that. You know what I'm saying? And boy, if anybody could do if anybody could complicate things, it would be the Lord, right? He made everything, right? He could really complicate things, you know? I mean, God is so smart, He could make Einstein, Einstein look like an idiot. You know what I'm saying? But I'll tell you, He said things in such a way. When Jesus appeared to Kenneth Hagin on one occasion, He says, did you notice that when I shared things with in, in the Bible, in the four Gospels, I said things in such a way that even a child could understand and comprehend what I was saying. And the Lord told, when he was in a vision, the Lord told Kenneth Hagin back way many years ago, he says, I want you to keep it really simple so that anybody could get and grasp what you're saying. Now this is the key, when with the Word of God is being sown on wayside, the devil cannot snatch the word out of your heart if you understand and you comprehend. I get it. Okay? You see what I'm saying here? These in verse 15, these are on the wayside where that word of God is sown. When they have heard, Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now look at verse 16. And these are they likewise that are sown on stony ground. So first we had wayside. Number two, we have stony ground. Who, when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and joy. So they've heard it. This is a heart condition of a person. They heard the word like, yes, that's awesome. Amen? Praise God. 
I had a guy come up to me one time many, many years ago when I first was in the ministry. And, um, and I preached a fiery sermon. I don't even remember what it was. But a guy came up to me afterwards, and he was, you could tell he was fresh off the street. He walks up to me and goes, Pastor, that was one hell of a sermon. <laughs> I just smiled at him. I said, thank you, sir. <laughs> he was so excited about the word of God. But you know what? He never came back to the church. I'm like, okay, so you enjoyed the word. You enjoyed the message. It set you free. And it did. He was really excited about it. But he never came back. He never came back. And I thought, parable of the sower. Parable of the sower. They receive it with joy. Amen. Verse 16 says, These are they likewise which were sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And those, verse 17, they have no root in themselves, but so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Offense. Offense. Okay. Let's talk about that particular ground that he's talking about there. He said, these are likewise on stony ground. When they've heard, they receive it with gladness. But all of a sudden, these things arise for the what's sake? For the word's sake. You see, the devil's not after your healing. He's not after your health. He's not after your finances. He's after the Word of God. He's after the Word of God. Because if he gets the Word out of your heart, then he can get you, keep you from getting healed. He can keep you from getting your stuff. He can keep you bound, right? Amen. Are you all with me now? Hallelujah. But... If you're able to endure these things, you're going to receive. And he says right there, these are uh, on stony ground. When they've heard, they receive it with gladness. Verse 17, when they have no root in themselves, but so endure for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution. Let's talk about those two things for a minute here. The word affliction here is simply anything that's outward pressure. Outward pressure. Say outward pressure. Affliction is means like, you know, your refrigerator breaks down. Your car breaks down. Something's not working. Okay? We got in last night late, you know, we got into our house, opened up the door, and there was the smell of extreme gasoline. I mean, the kind where you walk in and instantly you get a headache. You know what I'm saying? It was that powerful in our house. Well... Something happened to my son's lawnmower, you know, and it leaked a bunch of gas in the garage. You know, we just got back. And I remember one year we went to a seminar, and we came back from the seminar, and we let the dog out, and he ran into a skunk. And he's got long, fluffy hair. Never happened before. But it happened right after this really important meeting we went to where the Word of God was being sown, and that was on a Saturday night, just like this happened, you know. And I mean, those, those kind of things are not by accident. Those kinds of things are meant to steal your joy and to get you sidetracked. You know what I'm saying? And uh, affliction is simply any outward pressure that comes against you to try to occupy your thinking. And where it's like, man, every time I try to go to church, something comes up. First of all, you've got to quit saying that. You're giving the devil legal entry away. You're giving him the keys to say, every time I go to get in the Word or come to church, something comes up. Quit saying that. Amen? You're the boss of your life. You're in control. You're the prophet of your own life. You determine this is the way it's going to be. Amen? Well, he says, afterward, when affliction or persecution. So affliction is any outward trouble that you're having. Okay? You get a phone call, something comes up, you know. You're on your way to church or something. A phone call comes in, it's a bad phone call, it's bad news, you know. And all of a sudden, that's, that's pulling, it's tugging at your heart. Okay? Persecution comes through a personality. Affliction isn't necessarily coming through a person. It's just things that, things that are happening, you know, and obstacles. And one thing I've learned in, in the last few years is, 
we, we have to learn to work around obstacles. Because if we're, waiting, if, it's, if we're waiting for everything to be convenient for the things of God, it'll never happen. Okay? Because there'll be, there'll be stuff that you have to fight through. Stop and think about it for a minute. The woman with the issue of blood. The red carpet wasn't rolled out. The angels didn't come and pick her up and take her to Jesus. In Mark chapter 5. You, you see her fought. She fought. She had an incurable blood disease. She was so weakened. Spent every dime she had on physicians. Was nothing better but rather grew worse. And, you know, she didn't have public transportation in those days. She had to walk to where Jesus was. She had to hoof it. She had to walk. Okay? And over in that part of the world, with a Levitical law, someone in her condition was not even permitted to be in public. They had to be away, quarantined away from everybody because under the Levitical law, they could be stoned for going out in public. <laughs> But the Bible says she had a fought, she fought through the press, she fought through the crowd to get to Jesus. She said, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I will be healed. I mean, boy, she had obstacle after obstacle. And you'll find this is a pattern through the, the, the New Testament in the book, in the four Gospels, that anybody that wanted to receive something from Jesus, they had to fight through some stuff. They had to fight through some stuff. That guy that was crippled. He came to the house where Jesus, his own house where he was ministering in, and there was no room. The house was jam-cram-packed. Just like our church. Amen? Amen? Through faith. Jam-cram-packed. Got to open the back wall to fit people in here. That's what we need to be saying. Amen? Because we got good news here. And it will set people free. Praise God. Well, most people would have gave up. They would have said, oh, it's too crowded. Forget it. Turn around. Let's go. Let's get out of here. You know? But he had four crazy, crazy friends. Thank God for four crazy, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-filled friends that said, you know what? There's got to be a way. The Bible says they sought means where they could get to Jesus. But the average person today would come, to, you know, when there's resistance, they would look at that and say, hey, it must not be God's will. And say, it's too hard. I can't do this. But the Bible says they sought means how they could get to Jesus. And someone, I believe God gave them a thought. There's nobody on the roof. So remember the story? They, they, they got him on his pallet, his stretcher. And they somehow got him up on this roof. Where Jesus was ministering in this jam-packed house. <laughs> Amen. And the Bible says... They started to rip off the towels of the ceiling, and, and, and this is where you get the first skylight. <laughs> and Jesus is ministering in there, and all of a sudden, that interrupts. I mean, he's ministering. The power of the Lord is present to heal, you know, and things are happening in this house where Jesus, it's jam-packed full of people, you know. And they said, you know, you've heard the statement, where there's a will, there's a way. Well, the Lord somehow put it in their minds there's nobody on the roof so they got up on the roof started tearing the roof up and you can only imagine I mean if someone's coming through the roof you're going to be aware that will interrupt everything Jesus is standing there and all of a sudden you start hearing noises all of a sudden there's stuff falling in their hair it did this was, the Bible says this was Jesus' house he wasn't ticked off what are you doing destroying my house he wasn't upset about that. I believe he was smiling. <laughs> Amen. And you know it took this guy, to, even the guy that was crippled, to say, okay, I have faith in my four friends. They're going to get me up here without dropping me and then ending my life. You know what I'm saying? Amen. And so they, they let him down. They let him down. Many years ago, I did a, the Lord gave me an example of this, and I took a, I took a long two-by-fours, probably four of five or six feet long, a two-by-four. And I laid it across the floor when I was ministering. And I said, uh, how many of you here could walk across this two-by-four on the ground right here? And several people raised their hands. So I had several people come up, and they, they walked across the two-by-four. Okay? And the next person would do the same thing. They'd walk across, you know? And I said, uh, okay, did you have any problem doing that? No, it was easy, you know? 
on the thicker part of the two-by-four, not the skinny part, the thicker part. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, you have confidence. You can walk across. Okay. They said, absolutely. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to raise it up eight foot. We're going to get a ladder in here. And I want all the same people that just walked across the two-by-four, I want you to, you're going to climb the ladder and you're going to walk across. No volunteers came out. I was trying to make a point. What's the difference? If you could walk across it on the ground, you could have walked across it even this high up. What's the difference? Fear. Fear. What if? What if? Okay. Now, I kind of threw that in there for extra. won't charge you for it. But you can do things without, when you don't have fear involved in your life, you can do things that most people couldn't do. And this guy was being lowered down through the roof. And you remember the statement, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. He said, son, thy sins be forgiven. Remember that? Now, from all natural appearance, it looked like, wait, he doesn't need forgiveness. He needs healing. The dude can't walk. He can't walk. But Jesus was getting to the root of this, his real problem. He said, son, your sins are forgiven thee. And I say unto thee, arise and walk. Well, you remember the Pharisees just happened to be there. And they said, who can forgive sins but God alone? Remember that? And Jesus made this statement. He said, which is easier to, to say, thy sins be forgiven the earth, to say, rise up and walk? Which is easier? Say that statement, which is easier? Which is easier. And he said, thy sins be forgiven thee, rise up and walk. And he rose up and carried his bed out of that place that day. He was no more crippled anymore. Glory be to God. Now, Jesus made the hard things simple. Forgiveness is easy. Healing is easy. He said, which is easier to say, your sins be forgiven you, or rise up and walk? Do you notice that in the, in the New Testament, especially in the four Gospels, how that there's always forgiveness and healing working together? Forgiveness and healing. Amen. I found this to be true, that there's different realms, there's different places where people have to forgive. And I'll, I'll, I'll submit this to you. Most of what we're familiar with is forgiving others that have wronged us. Okay? But here's three things that I, I, that I just saw as I was reading the Word of God. We, we understand there's, there's the, the, on the earthly level we have to learn to forgive other people that have wronged us or dis- disappointed us. But number two... There's people that have to forgive God. There are people that have to forgive God. People that don't understand stuff that's happening. What's going on? God, what? And people become offended at God. Okay? Do you know some people have to forgive God? <laughs> Get mad at God. The third thing is people have to learn to forgive themselves. If God forgives you, you can forgive you. If God forgave you, He not only forgave you, He forgot what you did. It doesn't exist in His mind. Amen. So Jesus said, which is easier, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. I say, rise up and walk. Hallelujah. He took care of the sin problem, and He took care of the sickness problem. Praise God. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Receiving forgiveness is easy because the Lord did the hard part. Now, here's where I'm getting to this morning. I know we're kind of jumping around here. Is that when it comes to our cares, casting our cares on the Lord, Jesus isn't asking us to do something difficult. He does the difficult part. He does the hard part. Our part is to pray, cast our cares upon the Lord, and let Him bring it to pass. We make a poor Holy Spirit. We were never, ever asked to take the Lord's place. We were never asked to be Holy Spirit Junior. 
God never asked us to do something that's difficult. He does the hard part. Our part is simply to believe Him, to believe the Lord. Amen? Casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. Okay, so we're back there in Mark here and then wrapping this up here this morning. Um, verse 16, These are they likewise that are on, sown on stony grounds, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, but so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arise for the word's sake. That's the key right there. This stuff comes for what, what purpose? For to the word, to steal the word out of your heart. Okay? But here's the good news. You can let it pass you up. I might have had some trouble. I might have had some affliction. I might have had some... Now, persecution, in, in America, it's basically people talking about you. It's not like stones thrown at you, you know, like in other countries where there's literally, you know, they're going to take your life. Okay? But nobody here likes people talking about them. Anybody here like that? Nobody likes that. That's a form of persecution, people misunderstanding you. All right? And, and sometimes we can take offense to that and say, my God, I thought it was going to be better than this. You know what I mean? But see, there's a devil, and he, come, he comes with affliction, with persecution. And notice verse 18. See, these are they that are sown among thorns. There's a thorny ground here, such as hear the word. And verse 19 says, the cares of this world. The care, notice that. The care of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. And the lust of other things entering in choke the word, and the word becomes unfruitful. Now I wanted to, to sow our attention particularly on this phrase here, verse 19, uh, talking about thorns, thorny ground. That's our heart. He says, the cares of this world. Say the cares of this world. Okay. Now the cares being weighed down with the cares. I think about Martha and Mary. And God, Jesus told Martha, he says, Martha, Martha, you're careful about many things. Because remember she was all fussing about her sister. You know the story, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> and she's all concerned. You know, she's trying to prepare a meal for Jesus. And then um, she thinks her sister is being a slacker. <laughs> And she finally gets fed up. She comes into the room and says, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me alone to prepare this meal to feed you? And she, I can just picture her hands on her hips. She's got an attitude. I don't just see that in my spirit. <laughs> and, um, and Jesus said, Martha, Martha. He calls her name twice. Boy, you're in trouble when that happens, you know. And uh, he says, Martha. You're, you're full of fear about many things, not just this thing. You're care-filled about this thing, not just this thing, but about many things. But he says, Mary has chosen the best part or the best dish that will never be taken away from her. Mary made a choice. Now, she wasn't being lazy or anything like that, but she made a choice that she honored. I mean, Jesus Christ was in their house, the Messiah, the Son of God was in their house. She did not want to miss a word that he was saying. Okay? Do you ever notice in the four Gospels it doesn't say much about what Jesus looked like? Because that's not really that important. Didn't say he had long, brown, curly hair. You know? Looked like a movie star. <laughs> the emphasis isn't on how Jesus looked. It was on what he said. Okay. <laughs> People asked Brother Hagin one time when the Lord appeared to him. He said, well, what did he look like? He said, he could tell them certain things. He said, he goes, I'm not interested in what he looks like. I want to know what he had to say. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most important. No, don't get me wrong. Seeing Jesus is a marvelous thing. Okay. I saw him once in a vision of this past year. A very split second. I saw his face for one split second. You know. 
And it's marvelous. But I'm more interested in what he has to say because what he has to say is what's going to sustain us. Amen. So the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things entering in choke the word. See, we let these, there's nothing wrong with having riches. It's the deceitfulness of riches. In other words, the lie that if I accumulate more, then I'll be happier. That's not true. The next time you feel depressed, then go out and sit in your new car or whatever and see if that takes away your depression. It's not going to happen. But see, God's not opposed to you having nice things. He wants you to live nice. He wants you to have nice. He wants you to drive nice. He wants you to have the best. That's the way God is. You can never convince a Jew you're supposed to be poor because they were never raised, God never intended them to be raised that way. Never, never, never. But it's the deceitfulness of riches is thinking this, that if I just have enough stuff, I'm going to be so happy. Okay? That's not true. Okay? Uh, and he says here, these things, the lust of other things, enter in, choke the word. Say choke the word. In other words, stop the word of God. Stop the word of God. And the, the purpose of these things is to come the cares of this world, the cares of this life, entering in choke the word. I did a series, remember some time ago, I don't even remember what the, what the title was, but I remember saying this, that one thing God has invested in every human being on this earth, every single person has equally is a 24-hour-a-day period. Every person, every human born in this earth, has everybody has a 24-hour period. But it's what we do within those 24 hours that determines to a large extent what's going to happen in our future. Hallelujah. We can always make time to do the things that we deem important in our lives. We make time to do things because they're important to us. The things that are not important to us, we don't, we don't take time to do it. Amen. But a lot of that's changing, bless the Lord. That our priorities and God's going to show us more and more and more. What is, what is important to you should be important to us, Lord. What's important to you should be important to my heart. Amen. And the Lord, know, you know, He set this thing up that if you seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew chapter 6, all these things will be added unto you. Amen. Glory be to God. I cast the care upon the Lord right now that you're listening to me. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> you ever, if you knew what it was like sometimes to stand up here and minister, you get this thought, is anybody getting this this morning? Amen. I believe you are. Praise God. I believe that you are. I believe the word of God is falling on good ground. Amen. But Martha and Mary had Jesus Christ into their house. But Mary esteemed what Jesus of Nazareth was saying. She esteemed it. Highly valuable. Highly important. She sat there and listened to him. Glory to God. And every day, every day, we have the opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet in our house. Jesus has your address. He knows where you live. Look at the book of Acts. They, you know, Peter was inquiring of a house. God told him the house address and everything. Told him by and by the seashore and the street called Straight. Remember that? Gave him the guy's address and everything. Supernaturally. God knows where you live. And he wants to have a habitation in your house daily to inquire of him, to get wisdom from him, to glean from him. Amen. And he wants to talk to you personally. He wants to speak to you one-on-one, -on -one, you personally, not just through somebody else. Now, God does speak through other people. I believe he's doing that even today. You know. But, you know, God still wants to talk to you personally, one-on-one. -on -one. Amen. Now, I, I, I'll close with this, that I've never once ever came out of a place of prayer 
in fellowship with God feeling worried, concerned, or anxious. Never once. If I did, then I really wasn't doing it right. Because there's something about getting into God's presence. Hallelujah. There's something about getting into His presence. When you get into His presence, fear goes out the back door. It just goes out the back door. Hallelujah. Let's praise God for a minute here. Amen. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you and praise you today, Father. Let's just take a couple of minutes and pray in the Spirit together. Let's just do that. Praise the Lord. Kambora la hasa habahasa do karisa. Abalo kora mama malakasa di be de be blagere sosa na vrabe blagere sosa ne febe abrado karana ne blagere sosa dias. We oshkia saya do krinsa dia kaya. We praise you today, Father. Lo broste la vabraste vira babor roma mama makarasiti alaka. Jon do roko toro boso tarabakatalesia. Mo grastia sasa. Mabrela gresto sotre malavegebrakia sosokoto. Shambola ramalagarra dekisa. Ramo krasiti la bakraso tebebre de beshevi la barraba kotama. Worship alatri ede grisieto ramali berbis. Venga kresto plamimi libra bredi do bobo 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 bobo. Yeshe shishi la bakrasa daka. Sambrodo la bakrasa de shibi avabraba har bar 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 bar. Ah, makaradia. Ah, makaradia da. Ah. Sambro koto koko koko la halapaka la hata koso sukupaka. Mene 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 me kama shapaka makama kamaka. Me 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 me. Many 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 have been concerned. Many have been full of care, and many have taken the care upon themselves to fix the problems that they face. But know this, know this, saith the Lord, I am a God who cares for you. I am not just God, I am your Father. And my desire is that you bring every care, every concern, every worry, and leave it at my feet, saith the Lord. Leave those things at my feet so that I will take them and work on them and adjust and fix those situations, yes, that concern you. It's not my purpose. It's not my desire that you have a heavy heart. It's not my desire that you be burdened down. It's my desire to lift your spirit. It's my desire to lift you up and to exalt you. But I can only exalt you to the degree that you cast your cares upon me, saith the Lord. So I want you to hurl and throw and unleash every care And every anxiety about your life, the things that you face right now. For you see, I have a host of angels waiting to be dispatched to go and to work on your behalf to cause the situation to turn around to your favor. I have a heavenly host waiting there for you. So release, give give every care to me. Give every worry to me. Spiritual things natural things, physical things, family matters. Give every care to me, saith the Lord. And when you give that care to me, you're going to walk away with a light spirit. You're going to walk away with freedom. You're going to walk away with liberty and joy in your heart. For you see, the victory is won inside your spirit before you see it in the natural. So begin to dance before me. Begin to rejoice before me. Begin to sing before me before your eyes see anything. You'll see it with the eyes of your spirit first. And then it'll show up in the natural. So rejoice, rejoice, rejoice at my word. For it's more than enough to sustain you in this life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Lynn, did you got something? Well, no, actually, I, I just wanted you, like, I don't know, sprang up in me that you, that you could share about, magnif about magnifying problems versus, you know, what your focus is on. If you, if you magnify the problem, you know how, like, in Acts, they, they magnify God. They said, oh, yeah, how yeah. big yeah. God is. Yeah. You know, that just was rolling in me. Yeah, in the book of Acts, chapter 4, you know, they uh, were being threatened not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. I mean, life-threatening things they were telling them. It's persecution. Okay. And uh, so they heard what they said. This is the leader. So this is, you got to stop it. This is it. You know, their lives are on the line. They wouldn't just get slapped on the wrist. They would be killed for doing this. So they went back to, and they reported to the elders and the chief priest, what the chief priest and the elders had said to the, they went to their own, the Bible says they went to their own company. Okay? They went to their own company in Acts chapter 4, I believe it is. And um, that's, they're your home. They went to their own company. That's the local church. You get that? The local church. Everybody needs a local church. Praise God. And uh, they reported what the, the elders and the chief priests said. And they says, now it's interesting because I, I, the Lord brought this to my attention that in the book of Acts, it just simply says in many places, that it said they just prayed, but it doesn't say what they prayed. It didn't say what they prayed. It said there they prayed at Ephesus or whatever, you know, and so forth. But in Acts chapter 4, there's an actual recording of the exact words that they prayed. And they said, Lord... <laughs> he says, behold their threatenings. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things, you know, and so forth. And he said, Lord, grant unto thy servants boldness that by the stretching forth thy hands to heal that signs and wonders may be wrought by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Now, that, that was part of the prayer, but, um, but here's what they did when they started the prayer. They said, Lord, you are the God that made the heavens and the sea and all that's therein. Think about that. You made all the stuff. You made the sky, the ocean, so forth, the earth. Okay, you want to bring this up, Josh? Acts chapter 4 and verse 24. Acts 4, 24. Thanks for bringing that up. Praise God. And he says, when they heard that, this is the threat, and he said, when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together with, go back. Yeah, when they heard, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, and they said, thou art Lord, thou art God. Notice this, which has made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and all that is. All right. Now, I looked at that, and the Lord brought this to my attention. I'd never heard this taught before, but the Lord taught me this. He says, notice these phrases right here. Lord, you made heaven earth, and sea. Are any one of those three things small? <laughs> earth, big. Sea, real big. Sky, huge. That Here's what the Lord showed me with this. He says, Keith, most people pray the problem when they pray. They don't amplify how big I am. They amplify how small I am. I say, Lord, I got this big problem I'm dealing with, you know. But they prayed how, they said, God, you made the sky, the earth, the sea, big, big, big. Okay? Now, they could have prayed it like this. Lord, you made the ants. And he did. Okay? All the little critters. Lord, you made them all. You know, God is big as he is small. He's as big as he is small. He sees the very cell, created the very cells in your body. You know how small those things are? You can't even see them without a, a, a big microscope, right? God made that. He's as big as he is small. But when they prayed, and here's the point, I'm, we'll conclude with this here today, is that when you're praying about situations in your life, it's vitally important to amplify and to magnify the bigness of God so that it will swallow up the problems that you face. Because we look at our problems like big problems. 
<laughs> big devil. Big debt. Big sickness. You know, the big C. You know, all the different things that the devil puts out there. You know what I mean? No, those are not big things. Those are small things. But we have a big God. It's vitally important. Now, a lot of believers don't do this. But it's changing. Hallelujah. Because like I said, the Lord showed me one time. He said, if you saw this thing from my perspective, it wouldn't look so big and bad. But to me it was. But there's nothing too difficult for God. He's a big, 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 strong God. My goodness. Amen. He created, the Bible says in Isaiah, He created the, the heavens with the his span of His hand with His fingers. The stars, there they are. <laughs> That's the God that we serve. Amen. So this really changes our perspective. It changes my perspective. I praise God that my Father is so big. Oh, Father. And He gave us an object lesson. He said, look at the sky, look at the sea, look at the earth, look at how big it is. You know what I mean? And we're only seeing a small portion of it. You know how much of the earth we haven't seen? <laughs> There's... We just know because we've been taught it's, it's there. But there's so much of it we haven't even seen. I've seen the ocean, but I haven't seen all of it. I've seen the earth, but I haven't seen all of it. I've seen the heavens, but I haven't seen all of it. It's so much more vast and so much more bigger. But our Father made it all. Hallelujah. And so, in conclusion today, praise God. When we magnify God's bigness, I'm so glad you brought that up. When we magnify how big He is, it will keep our minds intact, our thinking intact instead of being overwhelmed with everything. The devil wants us to be overwhelmed, but we don't have to be. I don't have to be overwhelmed anymore. You don't have to be overwhelmed. Why? Because our Father's taking care of us. So say this with me. Stand up and say this with me. Say, I give. I give. My total care over upon the Lord. I give it to you, Lord. I refuse to take it. It's in your hands. I am full of faith, full of joy, and peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.